0: Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Well, it's before Thanksgiving, and I want to do a Christmas podcast. And you may be thinking, not before Thanksgiving. Please, no more Christmas before Thanksgiving. Well, that's exactly what I want to talk about today. Something that's happening in our culture that actually has a name now, it's called Christmas Creep. And no, that's not describing some weird person looking lurking in the shadows. It's really describing the fact that the Christmas holiday celebration uh, has now gotten uh, past the boundary of Thanksgiving and moved all the way back to Halloween or even before, in terms of how Christmas is being portrayed, used, or in some cases, perhaps abused in the culture. Christmas creep. A term to describe Christmas spreading earlier and earlier into the fall. Well, this year I've noticed a number of examples of this, which really seem to me to indicate that this problem or this phenomenon has happened a lot more, uh, a lot earlier than in past years. For example, I saw my first uh, televised commercials about Christmas before Halloween. And I was looking through the channel guide uh, the other night, and I realized that I was going past a number of channels that were already featuring Christmas movies, Christmas specials, and Christmas programming. And then on top of that, of course, you see Black Friday-type sales extending uh, into early November or even before Halloween, in some cases, uh, trying to entice people to go ahead and get started with their Christmas shopping. So Christmas creep. The the, uh, expansion of Christmas, spreading it earlier and earlier into the fall, and we see it uh, in media, we see it uh, in advertising, we see it in television programming, and we certainly see it among retailers. Now, quite frankly, my first response to all of this is to be the old man yelling, Get off my yard. I don't like it. I like Christmas, I like Christmas a lot, but I like Christmas to come around the 25th of December, not the 25th of October. And so my first response to Christmas creep, when I see television programs, social media posts, when I see advertising and sale papers, when I see all of the retail industry focusing on this issue, I get a little frustrated. But my second response is actually a much better response. I started asking myself, why is this happening? And just a little bit of research, I discovered that I wasn't the only one asking that question. The Harvard Business Review has actually done a study and published an article about this phenomena of Christmas creep. And what they discovered was kind of surprising. Most people don't mind it. Now, that's only surprising to those of us who have the get-off-my-yard attitude and do mind it, but actually polling and other surveying shows most adults don't mind Christmas ads, Christmas programming, and Christmas being celebrated for a much longer period than just the latter two weeks of December. Now, why... Do most people feel more positively about this? That's the question I've been asking myself, and particularly asking myself, how should that frame our ministry planning and our ministry response during Christmas and in light of Christmas creep? What does this phenomenon communicate about our culture? And what does that say to us about how we as churches and church leaders should be structuring our Christmas programming, our Christmas preaching, our Christmas celebrations, in order to take advantage of this Christmas creep and not be antagonistic toward it or demeaning of it. It's hard to do because, quite honestly, a lot of us think that what's driving Christmas creep is greed. And that may be a part of what is driving this issue. But I think there's more. All of the polling and ratings and ad sales and all of these things that motivate all of these large companies to spread Christmas out throughout the fall are based on the needs and the desires that people express as a part of marketing analysis. And those same people are the people that we're trying to reach with our message of the gospel and that we're trying to connect with during the Christmas season. So I've come full circle. Rather than simply griping about Christmas creep, complaining about it and saying it ought not be happening, I've stepped away from that perspective and now I'm asking a better question and that is how can we take advantage of Christmas creep? How can we maximize our ministry? How can we shape our message? How can we uh, direct our programming? What can we do to take advantage of the needs that are being expressed by people and the desires that apparently many people have that are fulfilled by retailers and programmers giving them Christmas earlier in the year. Well, here's some observations. I think Christmas creep happens for most people because Christmas is a happy time. Now, I qualify this by saying most people. I know that for some, Christmas is an incredibly lonely time. I also know that because other things happen during the same season of the year, that for some people, Christmas is a time of negative reflection about a divorce that took place in their past or the death of a loved one or uh, some other significant loss or tragedy that's associated with that time of the year. So I don't want to be naive or... Uh, in any way assume that everyone is having a happy time at Christmas. I'm not saying that. But I do believe that for most people Christmas is a happy time. And because it is a happy time, all of these advertisers and retailers and programmers want to tap into that and draw on that in terms of what they're delivering. Now, Christmas is a happy positive time because of several facets. And I want to talk about those, each one. And then I want to come back and talk about how to design ministry to take advantage of or to meet these expressed needs or these expressed desires that people have. First of all, Christmas creep happens because people are looking for hope. They associate Christmas with something positive. They associate Christmas with the hope, perhaps, perhaps, Of Jesus Christ, but even if they don't associate Christmas directly with Jesus, they have some misplaced hopes that are attached to Christmas. They hope they'll get a special present. They hope, for example, that their family might be together. Uh, They hope that the end of year will bring a raise or an increase in their compensation. They hope that something positive will happen in a frayed relationship as people come together around a more positive expression of time in the year, and that is Christmas. Now, uh, you and I as Christian leaders know that most of these hopes are misplaced. We should not place our hope in healed relationships or our hope in better compensation or our hope in families even getting together. But nevertheless, Christmas comes with hope, and it gives us the opportunity to recognize that people really are looking for hope. And that's one of the reasons that the culture wants to give them Christmas, because they know that that's one way of trying to satisfy this desire for hope that people have. Now, there is no doubt that during the pandemic, this, is, this problem has been intensified or exasper, exasperated. Uh, people uh, want to find hope. And so Christmas creep helps to satisfy that. Also, creep happens because people are weary and want to rest. Now, for many people, certainly for those of us who work in education, the Christmas season culminates the busy fall semester and leads us up to a time of rest. Uh, That's the case for all people in schools of, of all kinds all over the United States. But beyond that, many companies are on sort of the same kind of cyclical pattern. They come down to the end of the year, and they're wrapping up their year, or they're finishing out their year, and those are oftentimes celebrated with end-of-year parties and even end-of-year bonuses and things like that. And many people take off some vacation time around the Christmas holidays because they feel that's a really good time to celebrate the year, bring it to a conclusion, and to rest. I was talking with a friend recently who told me that when his wife was a student teacher, she was commuting uh, some distance to that responsibility every day, and it was taxing her greatly. Uh, The classroom was challenging, her teachers were demanding, uh, her standards for herself were high, and so it was a very, very challenging time in her life. And so every day in the car on the way to and from school, starting in mid-October, she would listen to Christmas music. Why? Because it was a reminder of a time of rest and satisfaction and peace that was coming, and it sustained her through that difficult semester of student teaching. Now, that's a positive expression, if you will, of Christmas creep, of letting Christmas stretch out farther into the year because it was a source of rest for someone who was weary in the well-doing of life and needed that something to look forward to that gave them the sustaining uh, grace and strength to keep moving forward. Well, Christmas creep also happens because people see it as a time for families to come together. Families are so fractured in our culture. Uh, Sometimes they're fractured by negative circumstances. Uh, They're fractured by divorce. They're fractured by alcohol or drug abuse. Uh, They're fractured by broken relationships and lack of forgiveness. All of these things are taking place in our culture. But families are also fractured, or I guess a better word would be separated, by more positive aspects also. For example, our family uh, lives across the United States. I have uh, one child and his family that live in Oregon, another child and her family that live in Wyoming, and then another child that lives in Washington, D.C., uh, our family is scattered across the United States, and so it's really hard for us to get together. It's hard for us to coordinate schedules and to have time when we can all pull together as a family. So that's why Christmas is so important to us. It gives us the opportunity to come together, to uh, be together. It gives us an opportunity to have time to travel and to really connect. So families, uh, or Christmas is a time when many families can come together. And this means so much to uh, us as a family, particularly, for example, to my wife, Anne. She loves the Christmas season. But what she really loves about it is not the gift-giving or the decorating or the eating or the baking or the cooking or or the going out to look at Christmas lights or any of those kinds of things. And believe me, we do all of those kinds of things. But what my wife really likes about Christmas is when the family is all together. And so this is another reason that Christmas creep is meaningful, because people are anticipating and hoping that Christmas might be a time when their family uh, can come together, either to eliminate some of that separation that I've just described, or maybe even to heal some of those fractures that I've earlier described. But Christmas creep, creep also happens because people have some spiritual impulse that is satisfied by Christmas. Now, I know that we sometimes make fun of what we call Easter and Christmas Christians, people who only show up on the holidays. I know one time in my pastoral ministry, I was training other men and women to help me lead in worship services and to do things like say prayers and give greetings and uh, other aspects of of the service. And I had been training one group of men to help me by giving the welcome on Sundays, And I learned I had some more training to offer when one Sunday, on Easter Sunday, one of our men stood up and said, welcome to our worship service this morning. Now I know some of you aren't used to seeing the place decorated without red. And what he meant, of course, was Christmas. And that joke fell on deaf ears that morning. And the people who hadn't been there since Christmas were not welcome. They were mortified and offended. So a little more training was needed about that time. But nevertheless, there are Christians who come on Christmas and Easter, and we have a tendency to make fun of them or to put that down and to say that they need to increase their commitment because Christmas and Easter is just not sufficient. Well, of course it's not sufficient to demonstrate commitment to the gospel or to the Lord Jesus or to his church. But I want you to take a different perspective on the person who has a spiritual impulse that's satisfied by their attending a Christmas service. Christmas creep is partly uh, in our culture because people do have some spiritual connection to Christmas, and it may be the only spiritual connection they have. And so rather than criticize that, I think we need to recognize it and to find ways to capitalize on it and to make sure that we're not demeaning people for their spiritual interest expressed around the Christmas season, but instead capitalizing on it. Well, so far in the podcast, we've introduced this phrase, Christmas creep, to describe uh, what it means to spread the Christmas celebration earlier and earlier in the fall. And as I said, for me this year, I started seeing Christmas ads before Halloween. And shortly thereafter, I started scrolling through the channel guide and seeing Christmas movies, Christmas programs, Christmas specials. You get the idea. As I've already said, my first response was, get off my yard. Put Christmas back where Christmas belongs. But as I've reflected on it, I've come to realize that Christmas creep is actually motivated, not just by greed, but also by some things that all of this tells us about people that they're getting from or anticipating within the Christmas celebration, and we need to learn What's really motivating people to be so positive about Christmas being spread out that they receive it so well? And frankly, studies, as I've just indicated by Harvard Business Review and other publications, polls indicate while a few people complain about it, most people really don't mind Christmas being spread out a little longer. So, having said all that, how should Christian leaders respond to take the most make the most of and take advantage of this phrase called Christmas creep? Well, number one, Christian leaders must not become jaded about Christmas. We must not become a little hardened about Christmas or a little edgy about Christmas or a little dismissive about Christmas. Now, this is hard, hard to do. Because quite frankly, as Christian leaders, we are offended by commercial excess. We see people giving a small amount to international missions at the Christmas season, or we see people giving a token amount of contribution to the church or to benevolence ministries in our communities that are expressed uh, through and around Christmas. And we see them spending hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars on Christmas gifts that they don't even need. And frankly, as Christian leaders, it can be disheartening. The commercial excess of Christmas can cause us to feel jaded about Christmas or dismissive of it or even to disdain it, to be frustrated by it and frustrated by the people who are around us who are celebrating it in such inappropriate ways. We can also be jaded about Christmas because quite frankly the Christmas season is full of extra work for ministry leaders. Christmas requires preparation of special sermons geared to the season. It requires extra parties and extra visitations and extra responsibilities. The Christmas season often brings with it uh, the demands of ministry during bad weather in certain parts of the country and other kinds of challenges that go with that. And so the Christmas season is a time of extra work for us, which causes us not to be relaxed during the Christmas season or even rested during the Christmas season, but instead to be stressed by the Christmas season. And then I've already mentioned preaching during this time, but another reason some Christian leaders get frustrated around Christmas is they just don't know what to preach or how to preach any more new things about Christmas. Well, I'm actually going to talk about that again in the podcast next week, but for today, let me just say that Christmas is one of those opportunities uh, where you have to realize that you're not really expected to preach something new that's never been heard before in the history of Christianity. One of the comforts about Christmas is that you preach the familiar stories, you preach the stories that everyone's been learning since their childhood, and you preach them in such a way that it reinforces what we believe about the gospel rather than perhaps reveal something we've never thought about before. And then, quite honestly, Christmas just brings with it a lot of additional time demands that I've already spoken about that can be wearying to Christian leaders. So all of that combined gives us a tendency to be jaded about Christmas, to be frustrated by it, to be uh, put off by it or dismissive of it. And we have to resist that temptation and to recognize that commercial excess is just part of life and not something we have to react to negatively every year or every time we experience it. And that the extra workload and additional time demands that come with the Christmas season are just part of our job. You know, every occupation has its annoying aspects, has those things that are just part of the job, just part of the deal. You really can't avoid them, and you just got to get through them. And Christmas and Christmas celebrations are sometimes part of that way of, or part of that kind of work, even for ministry leaders. Now let's move on to a second idea, and that is, in responding at Christmas, we have to be careful to structure our messages, both our preaching, our blogs, Uh, our podcasts, our Facebook postings, our social media uh, postings. We have to be careful that we focus our messaging on what people are looking for during the Christmas season. Now remember, I said that Christmas creep is motivated because people are looking for hope, rest, family, and spiritual connection. Hope, rest, family, and spiritual connection. I already talked about those are four things I think are there, that are in the culture that are motivating Christmas creep and make it so palatable, in fact, so welcome by so many, according to surveys and others who study this. So what should we focus our messages on during the Christmas season? Well, those same issues. The Christmas season is not the time to be prophetic. It's not the time to step on people's toes. It's not the time to really let them have it. It's not the time to lecture people on greed and material excess and how sinful they are for doing all these things during the Christmas season. No, you'd be far better to focus your Christmas messaging, meaning your preaching, your blogging, your social media posting, uh, meaning the things that you communicate by the visuals that you have in your worship center or in your church ministry setting, by what you put on your website by the links that you give to other sources of of information about Christmas, all of that messaging, make sure it's focused on these things. Hope, rest, family, and connecting with spiritual impulse, or I would say the gospel. So think about it with me. Hope, rest, family, gospel. That's the messaging we want to have during the Christmas season. Now, don't, don't misunderstand I'm not saying that you have to preach a series of messages only on those four themes. Uh, I'm not saying that you have to weave those four themes into every uh, communication. I'm saying that these ought to be the overarching themes that inform how we're communicating around Christmas. What I'm especially appealing to you to do is to avoid the negativity that's so often associated with Christmas, preaching against something or or trying to use it as a time to be prophetic or confrontational. It's just simply not going to connect with the needs of people and the desires of people during this season. All right. So Christian leaders, don't become jaded about Christmas. And second, really focus your messaging on those things which really do appeal to and connect to people during the Christmas season, hope, rest, family, and gospel. And then finally, make sure your churches are welcoming during the Christmas season. Now, of course you would say, well, we're always welcoming, but are you really welcoming of people who are casually connected to church or maybe even not frequently a part of your worship service? And when I say be welcoming, I mean structure the service to include them and make it comfortable for them to participate. I mean making sure that you don't make offhanded comments from the pulpit or from announcements or even during the welcome like my friend did that I described earlier in this uh, podcast. I'm talking about doing things that really communicate to a person who walks in for the first time or who hasn't been to church since Easter, you're welcome here. We want you here. We're glad you came. And the fact that you are here shows us that you have some spiritual interest, that you want to connect with God, and that you have some interest in the gospel. Now, you may say, well, yeah, but it's not much interest, or they'd come more often than twice a year. Well, I want you to stop thinking that way. I want you to change your perspective and realize they're coming twice a year. And this is a wonderful opportunity to connect with people and to be welcoming of them and to use Christmas to initiate or to intensify relationships and build goodwill for future ministry. You know, some churches become frustrated or some leaders become frustrated that during the Christmas season they preach Christmas messages and they focus on the gospel and they invite people to receive Jesus and to commit themselves to him. And it just doesn't happen. And so they're discouraged thinking, well, that was just a a warm, fuzzy time of worship and fellowship, but nothing really spiritually happened that was eternally, you know, consequential. Well, maybe it didn't happen in the moment. But use Christmas as an opportunity to build relationships or to intensify relationships for future ministry. I learned this so profoundly when I was a church planter. Uh, I found out that church, when I was church planting that the pattern of people participating in church was very different in Oregon than it had been in my previous church back in the Midwest. In the Midwest, I was pastoring a church in a town of about 80,000 people that was a kind of a hub, if you will, for the rural area around that part of northwest Missouri. And so what happened was people grew up in these smaller towns or even on farms, and they came to the larger community to go to school, and many of them had stayed and established their families and their lives and become part of our church. To my surprise, on Christmas, they all scattered so my Christmas attendance would always go down around Christmas, not up, as people went home to the small towns and farms around the larger community and spent the weeks or spent the Christmas times with their extended families in those locations. But when I was a church planter, the opposite happened. As a church planter, I was in a major metropolitan area, Portland, Oregon. And I discovered there that many people that were in our community were either from there or they had established the magnet location and people came to the city to celebrate Christmas with them rather than them leaving the area. And so to my surprise, the first Christmas Eve, after we opened our church in October, we set an all-time record attendance for our worship services on Christmas Eve. Well, I learned very quickly that this was a new pattern I had to take advantage of. And so starting the following year, we made sure that our Christmas Eve service planning reflected the very best planning we could do, planning for the largest crowd we were going to experience through the year, and in fact, Uh, promoted heavily for church members to bring their families and extended families and to advertise, if you will, the opportunity throughout their family for everyone to come to our church on Christmas Eve and experience the service. It grew so rapidly that after just a few years, we were having to have two services on Christmas Eve. Uh, One earlier in the evening, one later in the evening to accommodate not only the crowds, but the different schedules that families had uh, uh, related to attending the services on Christmas Eve. And then we even tried this a couple of times. We had what we called come-and-go Christmas Eve services, where we actually had a service every hour or every two hours, like at, say, 2, 4, 6, and 8 p.m., Uh, so that people could come for a smaller service before they left town or before they went to their family or they could come after they'd had a family gathering or something like that. We discovered all kinds of ways to maximize attendance on Christmas Eve. And you may say, well, did you have a lot of people saved on Christmas Eve or a lot of people join your church on Christmas Eve? Almost never to both questions. But what we did do was establish dozens if not hundreds of ministry relationships in those services, and then the follow-up started. And we would follow up aggressively for the next four to six weeks, continuing to build relationships, helping people to understand that they could come back to our church at some other time besides Christmas, and reaching people with the gospel in their homes and in other contexts. When we made a very positive first or favorable impression at Christmas Eve, it created momentum for us as we moved into the new year and gave us a new cluster of people, if you will, or a new group of people in, into which we could reach with the gospel, and that became the first wave of church ministry and growth for us as we moved into the new year. All I'm simply saying is that people have spiritual impulses about Christmas. They're likely to come to church on Christmas and Easter more than any other time during the year. And so rather than make fun of that or in some way ridicule that or hold people up for some kind of embarrassment because they only come on Christmas and Easter, recognize that Christmas is a tremendous opportunity to build a lot of relationships and to make ministry connections that then last into the following year. Well, Christmas creep. It's the spreading of Christmas out into the fall, and it frustrates many people. It frustrates some Christian leaders and some Christians who just want to keep Christmas centered on the last few weeks of December and particularly focused on the birth of Jesus Christ. I fully agree. But the culture is speaking something strongly to us when it embraces spreading Christmas out over a much larger period of time. I think the culture is saying to us we're looking for hope and rest and family and the satisfaction of at least some spiritual impulse that we have in our lives. And as churches and Christian leaders, we have to embrace this opportunity. Not become jaded about Christmas or any celebration or aspects of celebration of Christmas, but instead stay focused with a positive message of hope and rest and family and gospel. And use the Christmas experiences of worship to build relationships, meaningful relationships with large numbers of people that we can then continue to reach with the gospel as the new year unfolds. Christmas is coming and I hope that you have a good ministry plan to move your church forward as during this very important season you lead on.